Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. We've officially reached the end of season four, and I just want to take the time to say a wholehearted thank you for being here. None of this is possible without you, and it means the absolute world to me that you give me your time. At the end of each season, I do a little top 10 recap of episodes that I want to make sure get heard from the season. I podcast five days a week, so a lot get lost. And that's what we're going to do today. So if you have been joining me this year and haven't already left a rating or review in iTunes or Spotify, that would mean the world to me. It's how we get the podcast to new amazing listeners just like you. But for now, happy holidays, friends. Thank you so much for being here. I'll see you for season five. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy Wednesday. You know, I hope your week is treating you well. We are back to school. Like, we are back to school in full mode. Um, And it has been an adjustment. I didn't think it would. I wasn't really prepared for that. But it was a full-on routine swap around. Um, I do think this is where I thrive as a parent. Like, in the doing and the preparing Obi is much more the fun parent, like go ride bikes, the risk-taking parent. He's the one who like does all of the fun, crazy activities. And I'm the one who's like, talk to me about your feelings and let me teach you this skill. Let me teach you how to pack your lunch. You know what I mean? That is my thrive. I'll make sure we get there on time. And then Obi will make it a fun little journey. So that is, that's where we're at. So I do think that this is my time and that's feeling good. But otherwise, like we are in the thick of it. I need to rework my routines, rethink my self-care plan. Um, we're having, we're, we took off the whole summer from like a lot of our routines and traditions and even like our, our weekly marriage meetings. And I'm like, oh, it's, we got to get those back. <laughs> There's a reason we have those. So we're kind of, readjusting and kind of putting some self-care stuff back in order but yeah we're in it um but today i wanted to tackle the concept of personal projects i've been working one-on-one with people this year and several of them are focusing on simply creating an outlet for themselves outside of their work life and it's interesting for me because as someone who is creatively like focused primarily with my job it's been interesting to see people wanting it just for themselves, like not to monetize necessarily, which has caused me to dive a bit into this um, because I think it's like, in some ways, I think it's because we all have something in us that needs to be expressed creatively. But also I think in some ways there's like a societal pressure brought on by social media and just kind of our culture in general, in the US at least, that like we all need to be making things all the time. But probably, most likely, I think it's a combination of the two, and I really wanted to go into it in depth, so we're doing that today, 
kind of exploring the pros and cons of a personal project. So for the sake of the podcast, I think it's important for us to, to, to like really get clear and define what a personal project is. Um, so for the sake of today's podcast, we're going to define it as endeavors pursued voluntarily and driven by personal interest, passion, or curiosity. And they're not to be confused with routine tasks or responsibilities because these things, they revolve around daily necessities. But instead, personal projects are self-directed and might involve learning new skills, creating something from scratch, or exploring areas outside of your comfort zone. Again, I don't want it to be confused with routine tasks, right? Routine tasks are things that are necessary for maintaining daily life. Things like laundry or grocery shopping, they're essential, but don't necessarily contribute to personal growth or creativity. So again, personal projects, intentional pursuits aimed at achieving self-set goals and expanding your horizon. Things like learning a new instrument, starting a blog, home improvement projects that just are there to make you happy, writing a novel, starting a podcast, things like that. So first, let's talk about the benefits of engaging in personal projects. I mean, there's the first one, which is just personal growth, but also skill development, right? When we engage in having personal projects of our own, it exposes us to new experiences and challenges we can continue to grow, right? It it puts us in situations where we're challenged, we're faced with an unknown. We have to go, can I do this? Can I figure this out? And show ourselves if we, what we're made of, you know, we're given that opportunity. It also allows us the time to set goals, plan, execute, and then reflect upon what it develops in us, what we learned from that experiences. You know, did we learn time management, problem solving? Did we learn perseverance? Um, and then those skills that we learn through these projects are transferable, right? And they can easily enrich our personal and our professional lives, right? Having this thing that we're pouring into that presents a challenge to us that we have to solve, that we have to figure out on our own and navigate personally, wrestling with the emotional side of that, but the also the mental side of that is a challenge that grows us in ways that will only benefit us on a personal level, but also definitely on a professional level. Second is a boost of creativity or creative expression, right? Personal projects are fertile ground for nurturing our creativity. It gives us a place to explore without the constraints of external expectations and encourages us to think innovatively and find unique solutions. When you're working on a personal project, you're much more likely to experiment, to take risks, push the boundaries of your comfort zone, things that can lead to unexpected and exciting outcomes because there's no one you can let down if you don't get it perfect the first time because this is something you're just doing for yourself. Next is emotional well-being, right? Personal projects provide a sense of purpose and achievement, um, which obviously contribute to your emotional well-being. And honestly, the journey of working on something meaningful is an amazing confidence booster and self-esteem aid, right? It acts like this immediate release of look what I'm able to do, showing yourself what you're capable of. The act of creation and progress can also serve as an effective outlet for stress relief, enhancing overall happiness and reducing our anxiety. That's a lot of good stuff. 
And again, we talked about this a little bit before, but I want to go a little deeper on it, and that is transferable skills. So as we learn to create something new or we build out a personal project, we develop and we obtain new skills. And that can have a direct impact on your professional life. The project management skills honed during the planning and execution of personal projects translates really well into workplace scenarios, like the ability to adapt, problem solve, communicate effectively, are all things that can be developed through personal project experiences that employers are really looking for. And the the kind of things that people are looking for when they're thinking about who they're gonna give a promotion to. It's very beneficial to your, like, even though it's like, I need this because I need something outside of my work, it actually only benefits your work. Today's podcast is brought to you by Just Thrive and Just Calm. Do you ever get sick to your stomach before a big presentation? Feel butterflies in your stomach before a big date? Get that one text that sends off your whole day? That's because your gut, not your brain, is responsible for your stress response. There's a profound connection between your brain and your gut, and you need to nourish both so you can perform at your best. Personally, I use Just Thrive Probiotic because it's not only recommended by some of the biggest names in the health industry, but it's also clinically proven and all natural. It's a game changer for dealing with the most common digestive issues like bloat, constipation, gas, and more. And it supports energy, improves sleep, and promotes clear skin. If your gut is healthy, your body will perform at its best. And for next level stress management, I pair the probiotic with Just Thrive's breakthrough new formula, Just Calm. Just Calm's proprietary ingredients have been clinically proven to do the almost unimaginable. They can help you quickly soothe everyday stress, like sitting in rush hour traffic. They can encourage a steady and balanced mood and improve alertness and focus, helping you to finish that to-do list. And even help you get better sleep, so you can wake up rested and ready to take on the day. Just Thrive Probiotic and Just Calm make the perfect one-two punch to beat stress before it beats you by supporting the gut-brain connection. I've had several guests on the podcast this year who have talked about the importance of that gut-brain connection, and it has profoundly impacted the way that I think about gut health. And right now, when you go to justthrive.com and use promo code EGRAM, you can get 20% off a 90-day bottle of Just Thrive Probiotic and Just Calm. That's like getting a month for free. And a portion of every purchase goes to Vitamin Angels, a nonprofit organization that saves the lives of millions of children and moms-to-be around the world by ensuring they get the vitamins and minerals they need to stay healthy and strong. To learn more about this groundbreaking company, don't miss episode 151. Take control today with Just Thrive. And then also, you know, finding the sense of self and putting yourself out there, Um, having some sense of who am I and how do I share that with the world, which I think is a universal desire. I think we often attribute that to type four, but I think we all benefit from having a space where we get to internally explore and express. Additionally, in the competitive job market, having things like personal projects can really set you apart from other applicants, right? It showcases initiative, dedication, a proactive approach to learning and growth. 
So when you include them on a resume or mention them in an interview, these personal projects really demonstrate your interest in self-improvement and your ability to take on challenges independently, manage your own time, be a self-starter, and so on. So the significance of personal projects reaches beyond just your hobbies or your pastimes, right? Like these endeavors, they shape us, right? They challenge us. They enrich our lives in significant ways. They empower us to embrace our creativity, cultivate new skills, positively impact our personal and our professional lives. And by recognizing and valuing these projects, we can really embrace the opportunity to unleash our full potential, get to know ourselves in new and intricate ways. So that being said, you know, I, I think there's so much good here, obviously, to having something that you're working on in your free time. It offers you so, so much. But I've also noticed kind of an uptick in the pressure to maintain personal projects, right? Especially alongside routine tasks, full-time employment, raising humans, and like sheer exhaustion from kind of recovering from a pandemic as a society. So I'm interested in what's going on there, right? Like, are we doing some of these personal projects out of a sense of like, that's what we're supposed to do or that's what like accomplished people do, even if maybe we don't want to do them or don't crave to do them? So I went on an exploration of what are the cons of a personal project? Because I really think social media, my personality, the internet, as a whole, America as a whole, really values people overextending themselves. And so I'm also curious, while I agree personal projects are amazing, so many benefits, love them for us, what are the downsides here? Like what's, what could be some alternative motivators to constantly having something that you're working on? And I think the first one is historical context, right? Like the American dream is so ingrained in our psyche as a nation, and it has played such a role in shaping the emphasis on personal success and achievement. I mean, U.S. is definitely a type three culture. It is like, don't get left behind. Only the strong will survive. You know, keep pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and like make it happen. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And honestly, from the nation's founding, the belief that anyone can attain prosperity through sheer hard work, determination, and individual initiative, it's fueled the pursuit of these personal projects in a lot of ways. The notion meaning stemming from a desire for upward mobility and the aspiration to improve one's circumstances. And I totally get that, right? Like we live in this society where there are upward Momentum is often limited to our experience, to our, our parents' experience, to our access to wealth, to our access to people who have gone to college before us. Um, and there's all of these things that put other people ahead, but we're trained in the mindset of 
I can make it happen if I just do it. And so we take on these side projects in our free time to kind of offer ourselves hope of the American dream, right? Well, if I just take on this thing, then it'll maybe it'll take off and it will fund me and I'll be like an instant millionaire. You know, it's just, and if you're maybe a type seven and you struggle with FOMO and you struggle with differentiating, can I, which opportunities do I turn down? Because everything feels like an opportunity, right? And which one do I turn down in order to preserve my mental health, even though I never know which one's going to be my jackpot? It can be really difficult to let things go or to not take opportunities or take on new personal projects when when there's always hope that it could go well. And I know there's other types out there who are like, and there's always hope, there's always a risk that it could not go well. And, you know, it's, it's kind of based off of your fixation. But for me, that's, that's my fixation. So historical context, the American dream, the cultural narrative, right? Personal projects are often portrayed as pathways to the American dream, right? The narrative being reinforced, the idea that individuals have agency to create their own destinies by pursuing their passions, thus realizing their potential, And this is really solidified by the stories of self-made individuals who achieve success through their personal projects. And I think we're doing a great job right now of revealing the nepotism that is often involved in those scenarios of like, you know, I know, like, I know people whose parents are like, we did it, you can do it. And then we find out like, oh, their parents were gifted a house when they got married or, um, you know, people who are, you know, famous on TikTok and you're like, oh, your dad's an actor. We're learning about a lot of these things right now. Um, But the narrative, like this illusion of the self-made man is so attractive to us because it really solidifies the American dream, right? If I just work hard enough, I can do it. I pull myself up by my bootstraps, right? And um, so there's the historical context, but also the modern cultural narrative then there's the role of social media, right? We're in a digital age. Social media has become such a major element of our lives. It's now shaping societal norms and perceptions. Things like Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook, they show others personal projects in this highly curated, often aspirational manner to where the constant exposure to these accomplishments can lead to feeling like you are in, you know, you're comparing yourself to other people. I've heard it referred to as compare and despair, where individuals compare their own lives to the carefully curated highlights of others, right? If you can do it, if you have three children, you go to work and then you come home and you remodel your house and it's stunning and it has wallpaper that goes perfectly with the backsplash of your kitchen and everything's falling to place perfectly on time, It can feel like, well, why can't I do that? Why can't I have that? What's wrong with me? And I love this trend right now that we're doing where people are sharing the help that they have. You know, they're being more honest about, I have a full-time nanny or, you know, my grandmother left me $2 million, things like that, because it gives us a more realistic expectation for what can be possible. But if you're finding yourself in that compare and despair cycle, I just want to encourage you to release the expectation that your capacity should be the same as someone else's, even if your circumstances were the same. 
right? Because I think a lot of times what we're looking for is an ex- a reason why they're able to do more than us so that we don't feel bad about ourselves. But what I long for you to have is a sense of self that is so strong that even if you have identical circumstances, that you honor your capacity anyway. That that capacity is valid even if you have the same amount of help, the same amount of support. But that brings us to the curated image though, right? It's, it's, uh, it's a curation. I love when creators remind us of that, when they say, listen, I'm making this to be entertaining for you. This isn't always what it feels like on the back end. I love that. I love entertaining content that is highly curated. I, I enjoy that. And at the same time, I love when they remind us that it's, you know, that that's what it is. <laughs> but you can also remind yourself, right, that like this is a curated thing. Yes, it is stunning. Yes, they've worked really hard on it. But also, I don't know what's behind the scenes here. But I do know what would be the behind the scenes for me. And that's the information that matters. It doesn't matter, right? If you if you see someone's relationship on social media and you're like, oh, it looks perfect, but they probably fight all the time. It's probably dark under the surface. I think we tend to find people in our day and age looking for that as evidence that marriages can be imperfect and still be good. And so we're like picking apart other people's experiences. But what I would rather see you do is say, what would be the behind the scenes of this for me? What would having this much going on actually be my lived experience? Like, how would that be my lived experience? Would it exhaust me? Would it thrill me? Would it make me feel so overwhelmed and stressed that I just wanted to take a nap? Would it make me feel shut down? Would it make me feel enlivened? That's the information that matters. It doesn't really matter what the back end looks like for them. You know, maybe they curate it perfectly and then they have the best day ever and they go to sleep satisfied like um, every single day for the rest of their lives. It's, it's, and you know, that's the illusion. Maybe that happens and maybe that works for them, but it wouldn't work for you. So it doesn't really matter if it works for them or not. What matters is if it would work for you. Today's podcast is brought to you by EveryPlate. We're fully in back to school mode over here, right? Like we are back in the routine. It was like one day it was summer and now we are all the way from the morning until we go to sleep. We are go, go, go. And nothing brings me more joy than to not have to think about what we're making for dinner, to just go to my fridge, pull out a meal, pull down a recipe card, and follow directions. It is everything to me. And the other day our kiddo was like, what is it? Like, why don't we order takeout anymore? Um, We just used to order it more and now we don't. And it's because of meal kits. And honestly, I thought meal kits would be really expensive, but over takeout, it's much cheaper, especially with every plate. So you can still enjoy quick, satisfying meals, but the meals are 50% cheaper than your average fast casual meal. They're the easiest way to eat affordably. And then you can put the money that you save toward back to school shopping or fun fall plans to get you over the loss of summer. And here's the really cool thing about every plate right now. You can cook once and eat twice with their new dinner to lunch dishes. like tasty feeling meals for both dinner and lunch the next day. So each recipe is crafted to ensure that the ingredients can be easily repurposed so you won't feel like you're just eating leftovers. 
Plus, you can save time making lunch on busy weekends with most of the work done at dinner. There are really good options like sweet soy chicken tacos, chicken stir fry, chicken sausage flatbreads, tomato pasta, and so much more. All available for just a slight upcharge for a limited time only. My other favorite thing about every plate, it is the most sustainable meal kit. Every plate offsets 100% of their delivery emissions, and their meals have a 31% lower carbon footprint on average than like supermarket meals of the same portion. Plus, nearly all packaging materials are curbside recyclable in most areas in the U.S. You know we love a meal kit over here. We love it especially during busy school season. It's everything to me. It's like meals within like 30 to 40 minutes. We don't have to think about it. All I have to do is put in a YouTube video and follow directions. So if you want to try every plate, you can get it for $1.49 per meal by going to everyplate.com slash podcast and entering code 49egram. Get started with every plate for just $1.49 per meal by going to everyplate.com slash podcast and entering code 49egram. That's up to $110 value. Thank you so much, Every Plate, for supporting the podcast. Our next piece here of cons or reasons why we might feel tempted to start a personal project, even if it's unaligned for us, and that's consumer culture, right? This consumer-driven culture of having something that we always need to be doing kind of this constant need for self-improvement, constant consumption, constant constant change and shift. Um, Things in media often link personal fulfillment to the acquisition of new skills, experiences, or possessions. And that creates a cycle where personal projects are not solely about self-expression, but then become about feeding into the consumerist narrative of needing to do and have more. I'm gonna say that again. It creates a cycle where personal projects are not solely about self-expression, but also about feeding into the consumerist narrative of needing to do and have more. Like ease is uncomfortable, so I need to kind of find something to make these feelings go away. Which brings us also to the very real economic considerations, right? Industries can benefit from promoting personal projects as a way to drive sales. We might take that, right, as a sense of like, I can create personal projects as a way to change my situation. And it's really helpful when it comes to marketing for these larger organizations, these larger companies, because the pursuit of personal projects really involves a lot of purchasing materials, tools, classes, and other resources. And that economic incentive encourages the idea that fulfillment and progress are directly tied to spending money, reinforcing the notion that success and personal growth are transactional in nature, right? And like finding yourself, how many of us, raise your hand if you have ever gotten into your head that you're gonna start a personal project and then you bought all of the supplies and that is where your pursuit of that personal project ended. You bought, you spent $100 on everything that you would need to do the personal project and that is actually what you wanted. Maybe that, you didn't really wanna do the personal project, you wanted to go shopping, right? And I think that that's, I think that's, I wanna be clear that that's a judgment-free zone. Like I'm not saying you're bad if you like to shop, that's not where I'm coming from. But I do think it's helpful to remember 
like to know why we're making purchases and to take on personal projects only from a place of intentional self-expression and growth rather than maybe you just want to go to the store and buy some stuff. And maybe if you bought the stuff you really wanted, you wouldn't buy a bunch of stuff that you felt like you wanted so that you end up not doing that thing and then feeling bad about yourself for not doing that thing because what you really wanted to do was go to the store and buy some stuff. Like it, it's like we could skip some steps there, right? Um, because I think we do have this strong sense of I should always be doing something. I should always be consuming something. I should always be, you know, and so much of what we're consuming are just advertisements for who we're supposed to be, how we're supposed to be. And if we're constantly in that consumer mindset, we're going to lose ourselves a little bit, lose our focus, lose our attention and lose touch with who we are, what we want, what we need. So in, yeah, we'll get more into what to do instead in a second. Other things to do here when it comes to reasons, I think it's important that we do dissect these societal influences, right? To shed light on the complex, natural over, and like the complex interplay between personal projects, societal values, and like having things we want to do in the world and the pressures of social media. Because the true essence of personal projects, right? Remember the definition we have for them is about personal growth, creativity, and fulfillment. These things can flourish when driven by our passion rather than external pressures. Now that all being said, I think personal projects are a relatively neutral behavior, right? Like there's nothing wrong with doing them. I think if you know why you're doing them, that's more beneficial than just doing them to stay busy. Just pay attention to why you're taking them on and allow yourself space to change your mind and not put so much pressure on the outcome. So how do we start a personal project in a way that is supportive to ourselves? I think first is in identifying your passions and interests, right? Once you start to get clear on who you are, what you want, what you need, and then you pull those personal projects in to fill the role of creating that growth in you, creating that space for you to express yourself. So maybe what you're saying you need right now is to find something that challenges you to persevere. And you're like, I'm going to commit to doing this thing I've always said I was going to do one day, even when it's hard. That's amazing, right? That's a great reason to do something. If you're like watching, I'm watching these people on social media, they all have things that they're doing in their lives. And I don't have anything that I'm doing with my life. All I do is go to work and I go home and I go to sleep and I love my wonderful children and I make a lovely dinner. And that's not enough because if I were a really good person, then I would be pursuing these objectives that I have for my life. That may not be the space to operate from, right? Like check in there and go, am I doing this out of a response to comparison, out of a response to fear, out of a response to the pressure of the American dream? Or am I doing this from a place of who am I? What do I want? What do I need? What lights me up right now? What challenges me in a positive way? Is this going to offer me the things that I deeply long for from a passionate place? Or is it external pressures that I'm carrying? So once you get clear on that, 
<laughs> what you need and what role this is going to play in your life, then you can start narrowing down ideas, right? As passions come to mind, then start mind mapping, journaling, discussing ideas with friends to spark that creativity and kind of get more clear on potential project directions. And then give yourself some time to focus on where do you want to go? What do you want to do? And then set your goals. And I would say set realistic goals. Don't set like goals that are so ambitious that it's discouraging. I always say, let's say you want to learn how to do a cartwheel. (laughs) And instead of saying, I want to learn how to do a cartwheel in a month, you say, I want to be in the Olympics in six months. Like one of those is realistic and the other is not. And if you don't know how to do a cartwheel, it's unrealistic that you'll be at the Olympics. Now, a more like down to earth version of this for us is like, if you love to write but never do it, it may not be beneficial for you to say, I'm gonna write a novel by the end of the year. It may be more beneficial to set a goal of, I'm gonna write every day for 30 days, right? It's like a little more down to earth, a little more grounded. And then when it comes to the consumerist element of things, I think it's beneficial to use your consumerism as a reward for your progress. So instead of going to the store and buying all the things and then not doing anything, start with where you are, with what you have, with the bare minimum, and then upgrade as you like show consistency. So let's say you're like, I'm gonna sort of vlog. Vlog on your phone until you've vlogged for six months you've been consistent for six months, then it's like, okay, this is a habit now. This is a thing I do. I'm going to buy the camera that I really wanted to buy in the beginning. And this takes that relationship that changes that relationship to consumerism with a personal project. And it, and it switches it from, I am like rewarding myself for consistency. I'm showing myself that I am consistent and therefore it's time for me to have this new thing rather than I'm just gonna buy all the stuff and then feel really like bad about myself because I can't maintain it. And then I think it's really important when you're doing a personal project that regardless of the final outcome, the project itself is valuable because it's a vehicle for your growth. So focus more on the journey than the destination. Like I encourage you to celebrate the progress that you make at every single stage. Notice how far you've come. Notice the skills that you've developed. You know, celebrate the challenges that you've conquered. And as you're conquering them, be like, this is an opportunity for me to conquer a challenge. I'm growing, you know, because that's going to foster a sense of accomplishment that's going to transcend the project itself, right? This is so much more than just whether or not you become a beautiful painter. It's like, look at what I can do. So as we kind of come to a close, I just want you to remember that personal projects are at the end of it all, your canvas for personal fulfillment, for your growth and your enjoyment. So I encourage you to stay true to yourself, nurture your creativity, let the projects that you pursue become expressions of your unique journey, not kind of autopilot reactions to societal pressures. And friends, I never do this, but it's important that I do. Before we part ways, 
Don't forget to subscribe to Enneagram and Coffee for more insightful episodes on personal development and creativity. And if you haven't taken a moment to leave a rating and review in iTunes, it means the absolute world to me as a podcaster. It tells people that this is a podcast worth listening to and tells iTunes this is a podcast worth promoting. So it means the absolute world. And as always, it's an absolute joy to create this content for you. And I will see you Friday for the next one. Bye. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.